The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, constantly viewing our diabetes in a positive way doesn't change the fact that we actually have diabetes, but it completely changes how we live with it. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Good morning and welcome back to the Insulone podcast. I say good morning because it's earlier than we usually record. And myself and Graham are having a brief conversation before we pressed record about how I'm still mesmerized by the fact that Graham, for years, did a 6 a.m. breakfast radio show. And I'm mesmerized by it because I feel as if right now my voice (laughs) sounds completely different because it's early morning. Because usually I don't do my first call until about like 10 a.m. So my voice settles into the day. So, Graham, what's the secrets? I, I didn't have any secrets. I struggled with this so much. Like you got to witness there because I've got sinus issues. So you got to witness there me blowing my nose and me sneezing. You said I, it was a, a mix between a cough and a sneeze. I like to a cough, a sneeze and a bark is what I like to describe it as. I, I don't even notice that my sneeze is weird now, but everyone, like when they hear it for the first time, they go, what the hell is that? Because I don't like to sneeze outwards. I like to sneeze inwards. I go, kind of like that. But yeah, at the start of a show, I would sound completely different than I would an hour later. It would take a long time for my nasal cavity, I don't know, to loosen or something. But uh, yeah, so there was no secret. And I actually went to a specialist to try and figure this out. Actually, this is a funny story. So I went to the doctor and I said, I'm having real problems with my sinuses. I know I've had them for ages. It's a family thing. We all, were all, we all use sinus sprays before we go to bed. And I went to the doctor and I was like, look, I work in radio. I talk. I sound different in the morning time than I do an hour later. Like this is kind of affecting my, uh, my livelihood and uh, yada, 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 yada. I, I want to get this. Thing. Keep I wanna, thing. So, so de- debilitating. This. <laughs> um, and I went, look, I just want to get this sorted. So the guy went, right, we're going to forge you on to a, a specialist, an ENT specialist, ear, ear, nose and throat specialist. 
And I was like, perfect, unreal. This is finally going to get sorted. I'm going to get operated on and I'll be like a different person. And I went in and they got this little camera and they stuck it up my nose and like they put it right up there, like right back to try and see what was going on there. Took it out, did it the same one. And I would go, oh, no way. You're just sitting in his office and he's doing it. What did that feel like? It was horrible. Like it was so invasive just having this thing shoved up your nose. How would you compare it to a COVID test? Oh, like I didn't mind getting COVID tests because I had this done before. <laughs> oh, no, no. Like, you know, you get COVID test, you can feel a scratch your brain. This actually went way up. It was probably two lengths of a COVID swab oh. with a thick camera at the end. Like a video camera. Yeah, like a proper, like from the one 90s. That you hold. Yeah, VHS one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, basically took it out and goes, Yeah, yeah, look, all looks good to me. Don't need any operation or anything. You just keep taking that spray. And I was like, No, 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 no. I came here to, you know, get it fixed. And mm. he goes, Do you have any, I don't know, do you have any books beside your bedside locker? And I was like, I'm like, yeah, I probably have the one I'm reading. He goes, Yeah, just remove that away from the bedside locker. That generally holds a lot of dust. And then you kind of breathe that in. I go, what? So I, I paid all this money to go to the doctor to get referred to a specialist to pay you money. And then all you told me was, you're actually fine. Just remove the books from the side of your bedside locker. That was it. That's all I got told. Nothing. They did nothing for me. I was, so that's some of the exact same. Said, no, and did it work? No. <laughs> it was the exact same. He, to, he told you to remove the books from your bedside locker. That was it. Let's, it's consultant. In a private hospital in Dublin, told me you have to remove the books from the bedside locker because they gather dust, and you're breathing that dust in. <laughs> you I know go, what? It it wouldn't be that weird if it worked. Like I'm sure it's a thing where you know people are breathing dust, and I probably was, and it probably has helped me a small percentage. But you know what? I hope there's someone listening to this podcast today that has diabetes and has sinus issues, and they go, Do "You know what? I have a stack of books beside my bed." I'm just going to remove them and it'll cure my sinuses and maybe your diabetes. I was just going to say, maybe because I have books beside my bed. Yeah. That's why I'm diabetic. I think so. We found the root of type 1 diabetes. Well, strangely enough, I don't think I've ever not had a book beside my bed. So it's probably true. I'll let you know. Next episode, Owen's cured because he has no books beside his bed. Simple, simple as. Speaking of diabetes, this yes. is a diabetic podcast. Um, I have just seen a Dexcom alert that my blood sugar is 3.9 with an arrow down. Oh. Because consistently for, oh, can't remember how long now, but I get foot to floor. Like I can be stable through the night and then I wake up, boom. My blood sugar just almost like a vertical, a vertical spike. So I have religiously been taking two units of insulin, like pretty much before I even get out of bed to counteract this expected foot to floor. So I did exactly that today and my blood sugar's gone down. So today you're not going to get foot to floor. Seems like it. (laughs) So how many days per week would you be getting foot to floor? Every day. What? More so on, I would notice it more severely. Well, severely is not, I'd notice it more rapidly, let's say. Severe is a very harsh word. I would notice it more rapidly on busier mornings 
where like I've a lot more to do for the day. But I still get it on days that aren't as busy. But I have a lot to do today. <laughs> That's why we're doing this really this really early podcast. So I was pretty confident that two units would be enough, if not too little. But I'm going low right now. So do you have to correct that now? I should. But I'm looking at it and I'm like, hmm. Maybe I'll just be patient, wait it out. Well, will we will we watch the graph as we how how often do you get an alert on your desk gone? Uh, for, I think it's five minutes. Let me check. Yeah, I think it's five minutes. It, it's the perfect podcast to have a low blood sugar because anybody listening can understand the exact feeling. And if I say anything stupid, I can just blame it on my blood sugar. It's so funny that this is a decision you've got to make now. You go, do I correct it or do I wait it out and see what happens? Something that I never have to even think about. I'm not in any way suggesting that anybody listening should debate whether or not they should treat a low blood sugar. I'm debating it right now because I don't feel particularly low. And I'm also relatively confident that given the time of day that it is, my blood sugar will probably still come back up naturally. That's what I'm banking on. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see over the next 20, 30 minutes how well I know my body. I look forward to it. Well, happy World Diabetes Day. It's not exactly the day. It's this week, but we're going to call it World Diabetes Day. So happy World Diabetes Day. Thank you so much, Graham. How does it feel being a, uh, a spy almost within the diabetes world? Well, what I always say to you is it's funny how... Well, it was coming up to nearly three years now anniversary of doing this podcast, but I tell you, three years ago, I see when you're talking to people, all right, I've noticed this and I meant to say it to you, you keep thinking the podcast is only two years old, but the podcast is nearly three years old because we're on episode 140 something. Oh, yeah. So if we're doing 52 episodes a year, because we are consistent and we do one every single week, we're coming up to three years on the podcast and we started just before the pandemic. That's mad. I, yeah. Why do I always think it's two years? Yeah, because you recently had Talia on and it was her second time and you were referencing how it was X amount of time ago on the podcast. And I was like, no, add another year on. I was I meant to say it to you when uh, you're getting guests back on. So yeah, we're coming up to our three year anniversary. Happy anniversary. We need to throw a birthday party, a third year birthday party <laughs> with three <laughs> candles on it. But what you're saying about uh, how do I feel about being like a spy? It's funny how... Three years ago, I never expected how my Instagram algorithm now is Liverpool Football Club and Type 1 Diabetes. <laughs> yeah. All, I, the World Diabetes Day was on Monday. Yes. Yes. And we're recording this on Wednesday. All my timeline on Monday. And when I go into Explore, which is Diabetes, Diabetes, Diabetes. <laughs> oh, <for> real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. And, and like like we've spoken about a couple of times recently around like the most intimate relationship somebody can have with diabetes despite having it themselves is if you're a parent of a child with type 1 diabetes yeah. or you you're the you're the next I'm most the next intimate one. relationship I'm, with diabetes. I'm the next one um before we get in, actually, because I want, I, I meant to ask you this straight away off the bat of this episode, because 
it's kind of not related to diabetes, but I know I'm going to forget it. And it's got to do with Bridget McNulty's podcast. Um, what a fantastic podcast that oh, was. Real. I loved having her. I loved her accent, her South African accent. If you haven't listened, you got to listen. Mm. But a question I want to ask you is something I never knew about you is you broke your two feet while jumping <laughs> to a yeah. trampoline. Did I not tell you about that? Never knew this. I just had this image of you crawling on the ground oh. trying to get into the house to your parents. What on earth happened? It was horrendous. Horrendous. So how long were you in Horrific. cast for? Did you have to go around in a wheelchair? What happened? So, so what happened was... I had this trampoline for years and like I would use it the odd, this was a good few years ago um, and I'd use it the odd time like it's, it's a trampoline is actually unbelievable for fitness and it's fun at the same time but because I had it for so long I think like there must have been tiny holes in it or mm. it had kind of started wearing away to a certain extent but one of the days I was outside really sunny day and I was jumping up and down and like I said on the podcast, you know, when you're bouncing on trampoline and when you're coming back down, you kind of push all your weight mm. down so you can bounce back up really high. So I was doing that a couple of times and I was actually coming down heavy because my next bounce up was going to be a, a backflip. Yeah. Right. Because I wanted to get like as much height as I could. And when I came back down with all the weight, I just went. Straight, straight through the trampoline. It's like split in half. And it's, oh, it's split in half. So my body went through the trampoline, but my arms were still above it. So I couldn't see anything. Ah. Uh, and I couldn't feel anything. And for a second, I was like, what just happened? Like I, I couldn't shot. really comprehend that this had actually just happened. But I also thought that both my legs had just snapped <laughs> because it was like a big boom. Oh, stop. And I wasn't sure if it was actually just the ground <laughs> or both my legs. Oh. So I was like, oh God, this is not good. So basically I had to kind of duck or get my arms in and, and go underneath fully the trampoline. Mm. And I didn't look at my legs until I had crawled out and I could only use my hands mm. to crawl out from underneath the trampoline. And I looked at my legs and they weren't in different directions, <laughs> thankfully. Yeah. But I couldn't feel them or anything. So I kind of crawled up to the house and I ended up just standing up. So I knew they weren't broken, but I couldn't feel them. And I walked inside and I was like, this isn't good. And basically what happened was I had completely torn like all the ligaments oh. in both my ankles and feet, like yeah. around that area. And I couldn't walk for like for weeks. I was kind of lucky because it was the time when the European Championships were on. So there was like three football matches a day. That kind of <laughs> kept because I couldn't do anything apart from just sit there. Yeah. Um, and this was way before starting the business and starting the podcast. So I wasn't really working on that obviously but I had to just sit sit down and keep my feet elevated on cushions for weeks like a couple months and I had a trip to Rome planned like I think it was like three months later or something and even on that trip to Rome obviously 
those kind of trips, there's a lot of walking around, a lot of like sightseeing and these kind of things. Mm. I would have to take breaks during the day on that holiday because my feet would swell up so much. Jeez. How old were you? Oh, maybe like 19, 19 or 20. What? You're that old? In my head, I had you at like 11 or 12. No, 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 no. So like I weighed wow. a good bit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you did well to come back to play football. I think I did. Yeah, I actually yeah, think yeah. I, I think I had gone back. But it was insane. My feet were like elephant's feet. They were so, so swollen. So, that were, wouldn't have been long after you went to Canada then. That would have been the year. No, no, year no. before no. Canada, wouldn't it? Or the, or the year after. I can't remember. No, it wasn't the year after. And we, I would have known that you would have done your two feet after Canada, wouldn't I? Have? Don't know. Well, when was the European Championships? No, 100%. Owen, the year we came back from Canada, we were out nearly every single weekend in Dublin. The European Championships were on in Canada. No, the European Championships was, the, was on the first year I was in Canada. And then the set, next year was the year you came to Canada. So I was in Canada two years. So what what year was that then? Thousand. That was two thousand. That was eleven years ago. This this summer, oh, or twelve years ago. Ele- oh my god! But 11, yeah, they, yeah, it was like elephants' feet. Jeez, they were so so swollen. Couldn't actually couldn't get X rays for like a couple of days because it, they were so swollen and completely black and blue bruised. Like completely, yeah, I so. it was wow. insane. That's a nasty story. Be careful on those trampolines. That's nasty. All right, Owen, I want to read... Sorry to cut you off. Blood sugar, 4.6. Back up. Oh, okay. Didn't I tell you? You waited it out. You trusted your body. Didn't I tell you? I know my body more than anything. (laughs) I wish you could see Owen's face. He is so smug right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost like I have a sixth sense of what direction my blood sugar is going. It's like, but again, look, just just to reiterate, if any, if you're listening to this, don't ever debate treating a low blood sugar or not. Treat your low blood sugar; it's important. Um, but I just, I knew I had a sick sense that it was going to come back up. Knew it. Delighted. It. Now it's probably going to spike. <laughs> we'll see. I'm sure we'll be here for another five minutes, so we'll see yeah. what happens then. Exactly. Right. Want to read you? The email, Owen, that you sent out on your email list on um, about World Diabetes Awareness Month. I think it's a good email to read just in case nobody is on your email list that they can get an idea of um, what you said. Because I thought it was very good. Will I read it? Yeah, absolutely. Can't even remember what it was. Okay, you said Happy Diabetes Awareness Month. Yes, I said happy. (laughs) Every month, week, day, minute and second seems to be diabetes month for us already it's been amazing to see so many posts on socials about it and so many people highlighting their own experience with diabetes so far as we all know type 1 diabetes is a very personal condition to us as we live with it every second of the day because of this reason i always like to use diabetes awareness month to of course raise awareness to those who don't entirely get the condition but also to raise awareness about my own diabetes and i'd love if you did it too Being aware of how we can stay healthy, stay active, stay positive, stay confident and fulfilled with our own diabetes is vital. We can often become complacent with our management because it's just something we do every day. Let Diabetes Awareness Month be time for you to raise your own awareness for your own diabetes. 
Take five minutes a day over the next 20 something days to really acknowledge what you do. Type 1 diabetes is an incredibly difficult condition to live with at times. I already know you don't give yourself enough credit for that. Take five minutes a day to identify the things that give you energy, boost your mood, make you feel in control and give you confidence. Do what you can to repeat these as much as possible daily or weekly. Then try to identify the things that dilute and drain your energy. What's not serving you in a positive way? What's not benefiting you? Avoid these as much as possible. Your diabetes is your diabetes. Be aware of what makes you feel confident and in control as much as possible. Raise awareness for the people around you, but raise awareness in your own life. And happy Diabetes Month. Oh, and I thought that was fantastic. I absolutely loved reading that. You read that out like it was an advert. <laughs> Did I? It was like a commercial for something. <laughs> <laughs> I went into promo mode. Yeah. When I have to read something like that in a script, my voice probably changes and my, my tempo changes as well. You sounded so professional, Graham. I'm impressed. Well, I, um, I felt it, it deserved the, the professionalism <laughs> that I yeah. can give at times. Yeah, I think like it's a good email and it's, I think it's an important, even an important message for anybody living with diabetes to listen to or even be aware of mm. because it is one of these kind of conditions that because we have it all the time, every day, you can kind of get complacent with your management and it's like, oh, I do this because... I'm used to doing it or I do this because it's just something I've always done, even though it might not be the best thing for you. And that point about kind of identifying things that give you energy and identifying things that dilute your energy is something that I speak a good bit about to my clients inside the Type 1% program, because if we have that kind of complacency around, not even just specifically our diabetes management, just in general, if we don't have awareness around our habits or actions or decisions daily and weekly that we kind of just do without realizing, a lot of those habits and actions and decisions don't actually serve us in a positive way. So if we can take a couple minutes a day or even five minutes once, because it's probably something we haven't done before to say, what am I actually doing each day or each week or each month? What do I benefit from? What gives me energy? What makes me feel good? And what are the things that dilute my energy? What are the things that don't make me feel good? I like that one because, you know, we talk about trying to be positive all the time, but there's definitely a, a side to everyone that can kind of concentrate on the negatives as well and kind of wallow sometimes and feel sorry for yourself. But I think this stuff of try to identify the things that dilute and drain your energy, what's not serving you in a positive way. I really liked that bit mm. <clears throat> because sometimes we can just allow them to become part of our day-to-day -day life. But if you can get rid of them, you're going to, only going to have yeah. good things come out of it. Absolutely. And it's like when you do something small consistently, like breaking an old habit that wasn't serving you or building a new habit that will serve you, it, it can just make a significant difference to your life. Energy, mood, performance, diabetes management. A simple example from my own experience and something that has always diluted my energy and something that I just avoid is looking at my phone first thing in the morning. I know that if I wake up, my alarm goes off in the morning. If the first thing I do when I wake up, and it's so common because it's, it's the first thing we reach for is our phone. But if the first thing I do in the day is look at my phone, 
look at messages, look at emails, look at social media. That just doesn't serve me in a positive way. It doesn't make me feel good first thing in the morning and it dilutes my energy. And if you view your your energy or your, even your mood to a certain extent each day, almost like an energy bar that you might you might see in like a computer game or something. Like if you're like that energy can be drained and diluted quite quickly. And something small like me looking at my phone first thing in the morning, that just doesn't doesn't add any value to my life. Doesn't add any value to my morning. So I just cut it out. I don't look at my phone until at least an hour after I wake mm. up. It just helps me feel better in the morning. So Graham, what's something that dilutes your energy? Or something that gives you energy? No, I'll 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 tell you. So I work in a very competitive industry and so I'll compare radio to podcasting, okay? So I feel there's a huge difference between radio and podcasting. With podcasting, there's a saying, and I always get it wrong, but I'll try and not butcher it. So rising seas raise all ships, okay? So in podcasting, the market is global. So let's just say if you're on somebody else's diabetic podcast, that's not affecting their listenership. You're going on their podcast, that's to increase your profile. We bring some money on this podcast, that's increasing their profile. More people find out about this person, more people find out about you. And that is beneficial to you, to the other podcaster, and to the listeners, and to the diabetic community as a whole. That the more people that know about all this information, the better. However, in radio, because I work in the Dublin market, there's only a select amount of people that can listen to you. So we're always fighting with other radio stations to try and get their listeners. So I used to be in a very negative mindset towards other radio presenters and other radio personalities in this city because I'm thinking, well, they're my rivals, so I shouldn't like them. And I, if they do well, then I can't do well. And I used to kind of, this is many years ago now, I used to kind of like see them as my uh, enemies per se. Do you know what I mean? Like if they did well, that means I didn't do well. And it used to kind of bring me down a little bit seeing other people do well above me. But that wasn't serving anybody, you know, that was only negativity in my head and they weren't wasting any of their day on me. Do you know what I mean? And mm. I would see them do well. And I'm like, oh, how come we can't do as well as that? And I don't know when it happened. I actually think when I actually got more into the podcast world, realizing, Jesus, that's just such an old school mentality and people aren't supposed to talk to people at the radio station. I just felt like, oh, just get, get over that. You know, it's only negativity coming from that. And it's only make putting me in a bad mood. It's not putting them in a bad mood. They don't even know about what's going on inside my head when I'm thinking. So I slowly scrapped that way of thinking. And since I did, now I didn't scrap it overnight. It took a while and I had to come more confident within myself and within what myself and Nathan, who does the show with me, were doing. So much happier. So much happier in the industry. So much happier in going into work. Didn't put all the pressure on myself to perform to be the very, very, very best. Even though I go in there to work every day to do the best I can. But if it doesn't always work out, it's not the end of the world. I'm not going to beat myself up about it. And if somebody else does well, I'm happy for them. Do you know what? Because someday I'll do well. Do you know what? There's no point being negative towards those people. So I think that's a thing that used to drain on my energy, that someone else's success was kind of a slight on my career, when in fact it actually isn't in the world we're living in today. So that's such a good, you made so many good points there. A couple of them that jumped out at me was the fact that you said 
you can almost be under the impression well admittedly that's what you said like you can be under the impression that well if somebody else is successful then i can't be Mm. it's like what do you mean (laughs) like just because somebody else is successful doesn't mean that you can't be successful with what you do See, but I would say though 10 years ago, that was the attitude that was in radio. Just because mm. you have a pool of people and you all have to fight for their ears. And it's such a small pool in comparison to the global market. So Dublin, what? There's maybe 1.5 million people, maybe, mm. that were all fighting for their ears. And you're fighting for a three to four hour slot as well. Um, so that was always ingrained into me when we were coming in. But then when I started to look at podcasting and you know, when I saw other podcasters get other podcasters on there like that, you, I would never be on another radio show on drive time in Dublin ever. They wouldn't even say my name because in fear that the person listening go, Oh, I want to listen to that radio show. <laughs> yeah. But that's just the mentality that we were brought up into, but the industry has completely changed now. And it's just with podcasting and anybody can listen to you anywhere in the world now and all that kind of stuff. So, um, it was definitely a shift in my mentality. So when you say that, quite clearly you were the only one that was being impacted by that kind of essentially negative way of thinking yeah 100 percent. how did you make that flip i think it took also time for myself to become confident within myself where when i was starting out in my career i was maybe a little bit insecure in what we were doing Mm. also management would kind of put you down just to kind of keep you under their thumb a little bit so you never really had time or the space to grow as a person. But when I realized, when the show um, started to get better, I think I grew then as a person and I became more mature. And I kind of, it kind of stood on our own two feet. I'm talking about me and Nathan, the guy we do the show together. When we started to become more successful, realized we had confidence within ourselves and we didn't have to kind of bow to the upper echelons of the industry, if that makes sense. And then when you actually get out from underneath that, you kind of realize, oh, I don't have to view everybody as my opponent. I don't have to wish ill upon someone else who's doing the same time as me just because the management told me I did. So I think when we got confidence in our, within ourselves and we realized, you know what, we know what we're doing, we're happy with our product. And if we are successful in the listenership, that's great. But if we're not, we're happy with what we're doing. When we, that was a flick. There was a, that was a switch. When me and Nathan realized... Do you know what? As long as we're happy and we're enjoying going into work every day, the listenership figures will look after themselves. If they're bad, they're bad. We would rather get fired for doing a show that we love and we're happy with rather than doing some crap just to appease our manager. I don't know if that's kind of making sense to what you're saying, but that's kind of that was one of the flips in our in our head when we sat down together and go, we want to do what makes us happy and what we believe in rather than what the manager is telling us to do. And by us then doing that, we found that the manager was a lot more happier because, oh, they're doing a better product. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I hope so. It doesn't really make sense in my head. But it makes I'm, perfect sense. I'm trying sense. for it to come out. <laughs> it does. I, I, I can hear sense. it in my head, but I'm trying to verbalize it. <laughs> yeah, it does. makes perfect sense. And it's a perfect example of, of how almost like a conscious mindset or way of thinking flip Mm. almost instantly has a positive impact on you but the thing about those sort of mindset flips much easier said than done Mm. and to again relate it back 
to diabetes, like it's much easier said than done to say, if my blood sugar spikes up to 15 or 20, I'm not going to react emotionally. Like it's easy to say that when you're sitting in range, but when you've pre-bolused, you've carb counted and your blood sugar still spikes up to 15, it's like, it's a, it's a test of your patience and like that kind of discipline around, well, am I going to allow this frustrate me as much as it, potentially can let's move on to your instagram post because i'm conscious that you have another call in a few minutes as well and we want to get this in before we um before we go you put up an instagram post do you actually want to read the instagram post um uh yes for the one you did on actual world diabetes day which i think was a great post as well so obviously anybody listening to the podcast knows that when we have a guest well i'll just read out the episode or the post whatever Happy World Diabetes Day. You're absolutely, I said the same thing, original. You're absolutely right that I said happy. It's important that we can highlight and celebrate any positive aspects of diabetes as often as possible, which is why every time I have a guest on the podcast, I ask them a final question. If you had to thank diabetes for something, what would it be? Sounds like a very strange question. I know it's also a question that has had a lot of varied answers because as you know, diabetes itself is a condition that leads to us all having varied and unique experiences or opinions. In my opinion, constantly viewing our diabetes in a negative way doesn't change the fact that we have diabetes, but it completely changes how we live with it, which also means that constantly viewing our diabetes in a positive way doesn't change the fact that we actually have diabetes, but it completely changes how we live with it. If we're focusing on the negative too often, we're only doing ourselves a disservice. So if you have never answered or even thought about the question above, if you're reading this post, this is me asking you the question for World Diabetes Day. If you had to thank your diabetes for something, what would it be? Pause and actually think about it for a minute. Let me know below. And be sure to read other people's comments too. I'm sure you'll find a lot of encouragement and insight from other people who live with type 1 diabetes too. So I wanted to put up that post, obviously on World Diabetes Day, because it's a question that we have used probably now hundreds of times on the podcast. And it's an opportunity for somebody to live with diabetes to try and scratch away all the difficult parts, scratch underneath the surface and really think about what positive aspects of my life can I say are as a result of having diabetes? Because what I said in that post is we don't have to be obliviously optimistic and pretend that living with diabetes is not difficult or or not frustrating or not testing at times because it is it's an incredibly difficult condition to live with but if we're constantly focusing on the negative we're making it harder for ourselves i feel so passionate about that i guarantee it there's a positive you can take from living with diabetes and if you can pinpoint and highlight positives as often as possible, you change the way you think about your diabetes and you change the way you live with your diabetes. 
So you can be realistically optimistic in the sense that you can understand and acknowledge the fact that, yes, it's a very difficult condition to live with, as I know personally. But you can be optimistic in the sense that there's, I guarantee you, a positive you can take from it. Guarantee it. Will I go through some of the comments on? Please. I'll quickly go through some of them. Tiger Lily 0509. <laughs> Resilience. How to be over-prepared for any situation and how to stalk diabetes in the wild to be their friends. <laughs> um, type 1 dietitian Bree says, I would thank type 1 diabetes for leading me to become a registered dietitian. I was inspired when I was diagnosed by the dietitian that taught me so much about food. I quickly realized that I wanted to do the same. Um, MGM2486. I want to thank my diabetes for allowing me to pay attention to the nutritional facts and ingredients that's being put into our foods. Um, Aiden underscore C. Diabetes taught me to become more independent, responsible and resilient from the age of 10. That's twice in four or five comments that resilience has come up. Mm. Orla Murphy. Evidence that maths is essential in everyday life. (laughs) (laughs) Unreal. (laughs) Uh, Victoria Brickenden. I'd thank it for showing me that I can defy any limit anyone puts on me. That's a very good one. Mm. Victoria is actually a, a client of mine. And um, that post kind of means more because there's been a lot going on for her personally that she has dealt with very well. So that's kind of even more uh, more significant as a post. Julianne Denton, I thank my type 1 diabetes for stopping me in my tracks and highlighting what really matters in life. It gave me courage and clarity. Bob the banter. That's also th- an, an, an ex-client, actually. <laughs> One thing you can thank your diabetes for is it's how you met me. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? <laughs> he commented that. Oh, he's gas. <laughs> um, let me see. Jenzer Bracken, for learning to love, listen, and appreciate my body in its entirety. Happy World Diabetes Day, Warriors. Um, let's see, Danny Neenan, discipline, motivation, a can-do mindset, a will to succeed, informed decision-making when making future plans, um, diabetic chronicles, teaching me the skill of patience, perseverance, and guess what? Resilience. Resilience. Also a current client, Claudia, who is also actually from South Africa, who has, I think, done an interview or done a couple of posts with Bridget McNulty. So there you go. No way. Yeah. Are you using resilience a lot in your program? There's a lot of resilience sneaking in here. <laughs> they're definitely... Well, they're not, all, they're not all clients in the comments. <laughs> Let's see. Erica Holt. Espectacular. Inspiración para los chicos. Oh, yeah. A little bit espanol. And um, let's see. I'll pick one more. There's loads there. Okay, well, I'll go for, I'll go for a, a long one. And this is the last one. Connor M. Stein. Type 1 has taught me what I value in life. I was diagnosed at 11 and have ups and downs with it, as everyone does in life, and has put me in my place from time to time. But not once did I give up or give in. I learned from those experiences and saw a new perspective that shaped who I am and what I believe is important. I'm now 23, very mature for 23-year-old, and still learn something new every day about myself from this disease. In a way, diabetes raised me. Because every time I get comfortable or felt good about it, I realized every day is a new day and it can change in a flash. 
It has led me to paths and people I would never believe to have come across, but I always thank diabetes for making me <laughs> resilient. <laughs> it's insane. Resilient and staying true to myself. Peaceful warriors, stay strong. I think that's a fantastic What a one great post. What a great comment. Unreal. Yeah. There, it's no, there's no surprise that resilience comes up yeah. all the time. No, it's true. You can't, whether you like it or not, you become more resilient living with diabetes. Even if you're not aware of it, you're more resilient. That's a fact. Mm. Because, number one, you need to put up with all the shite that you do in your life, whatever that might be. And then you also have to put up with all the diabetes shite that you have have to deal with. It's a fact. Whether you like it or not, whether you realize it or not, you're more resilient as a person if you live with type 1 diabetes. It's also something I feel very passionate about, as you can probably tell. Also, a call recently came to mind. I had a call actually yesterday with one of the guys inside the program who was diagnosed less than two years ago. And like really, really love him. Such a nice guy. Unbelievable client. But he lives in the States and he was diagnosed less than two years ago and he, he listens to all the, the reg, like this podcast, he listens to all these episodes and obviously the private podcast and stuff too. But we were, we were talking yesterday over zoom and we were kind of just going through where he is and his progress and what he's achieved and what's next for us and what to keep working on and all these different things. And he was looking back over the time since he started in terms of like physically, mentally, and emotionally, and diabetes-wise. He used to listen to this podcast and and hear that question. If you had to thank your diabetes for something, what would it be? And admittedly, yesterday on uh, over Zoom, he said, Owen, I used to roll my eyes every time you asked that question. Hmm. Because he used to listen to that question when he felt like he couldn't thank a friend. And he was like, what are you asking these people? Like, what would you thank diabetes for? Like, there's nothing you can thank it for. Mm. But now he's fitter, he's healthier, he's stronger. He used to be afraid to eat carbohydrate. He used to be afraid to take anything more than two units of insulin, any given meal. He used to roll his eyes at that question. The first call that we had he was like getting emotional around the fact that he had relatively recently been diagnosed. And I was like, this is, I, pr- I promise you, this is not something that will stop you from doing whatever you want to do. And yesterday over the call, again, he was almost kind of getting emotional, thinking about where he is now compared to where he was. And this is me saying, oh, my program is fantastic. My program is fantastic. But, but, <laughs> but the point I'm making is I don't want anybody to believe that you're never going to be able to thank your diabetes for something. Because he has put on 18 pounds of muscle. He looks unbelievable. Wow. His recent day one C last week was 5.2. Built from consistent weeks of minimum 85% time and range. He is 
a different person. Like he has an aura of confidence about him that he just didn't have when he was diagnosed. And what he said to me yesterday was he's proud that he can now thank his diabetes for something. And he was like, already he said, if I could never be diagnosed, I wouldn't or I wouldn't take it back because the confidence that he has got from managing it has served him personally, professionally. Like he said, he's more confident going into work. Class. The confidence that you can get from being confident in your diabetes is a different kind of confidence. Do you know what it sounds like to me? Well, resilience. <laughs> yeah, I knew I knew you were gonna say something something stupid. It's not stupid. I actually no, agree. It is true. It is, it is. It's resilience. It is. It is. 100 percent Right. Good way um, to end it. Special shout out to that person that I'm speaking about. I won't name him personally because I don't know if he'd want me to name him, but knows who he is. Absolute legend. Class. Well, happy World Diabetes Day on and to you listening. Absolutely. Um, as always, thank you, Graham. This has gone on slightly longer than expected. It is, but I've really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, I on. have really enjoyed managing my diabetes for the last nearly eleven years. Enjoyed? Is that the right word? Yes, I'm going to stick with enjoyed. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. I hope you continue to enjoy this podcast. We are not stopping anytime soon. And since it is World Diabetes Day slash week, uh, I want you listening to share this episode with a diabetic slash somebody very close to you in your life. Mm. Someone who has diabetes and it might help them on this World Diabetes Day slash week. And somebody in your life who might not know what you're going through. Share it with them. They might be able to get something out of it. And hopefully they'll kind of know what you're going through. Absolutely. Raise awareness for the people around you. Raise awareness for yourself, like I said in the email. If you haven't signed up for my email list, make sure you do. You can do it in the link in the bio in this episode description. But I love you. (laughs) Have a good day. Have a good week. Look after your blood sugar. And I will chat to you soon. Take it easy.